say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Today on the latest episode of Conversations, Oscar and four-time Black Reel Award winner Jamie Foxx sits down on the big show, discusses his role in the comic sequel, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, in addition to that, Omar Moore, our, our wonderful friend, will stop by, talk film with us, we'll review some films, we'll have all that and more on episode 30, or excuse me, yeah, episode 38 of Conversations. Let's do it. Now let's start the show, show. Step out of the cold, cold. We come from the cold, cold. To the top of the globe, globe. The pips and the hoes, hoes. The folks and the stones, stones. Whoever you ride for, we back for some more. Get back to the show, show. You know. We shall be receiving visitors for dinner. Visitors? Whoever bothers to visit us here? Or leave except the dead. Once again, Dido. Beds. Aunt Mary, we should prepare some extra beds in case our visitors are to stay. May we wear the new silk? I will do your hair bed. <gasps> oh, say we may wear them, Aunt Mary. You will not be dining with us, Dido. I may join after dinner, may I not? Yes, such are the rules, and you know them well. All right, and that is a clip from Ama Asante's film, Bell, a brand-new film that's opening this week in theaters nationwide. And on to join me to talk about this film is, uh, you know, a guy who I don't get a chance to talk to that often, who I think the world of. Always a pleasure to have my man, the mayor from the left coast. I call him simply Omar Moore. Sir, how are you? Very well, Tim. How are you? <laughs> Much better now, my friend. <laughs> it's a great. <laughs> and let me tell you, it's, it's, yeah, I'm sorry, we don't. I'm choked up with excitement here. I mean, we don't get a chance to talk a lot. I mean, it's it's been one of those busy times, as, as it always is for both of us. But I am really, really pleased to be here today on your show. Well, sir, um, I've been off the air for a month. And, I, you know, I had a conversation with Travis a couple of days ago, you know, after I came back on and did my first show. And I said, man, it's one of those situations that even though he and I have another show that we're doing, and I need to talk to you about that a little later on as well, um, and I get a chance to still do my movies, man, I feel like a part of me is missing, man, if I don't get an opportunity to, to talk movies with my friends, man. And I would consider you to be one of those folk 
And, um, you know, you Likewise. take it for granted when you – you know how it feels, oh, when, you know, you do something Absolutely. for a while. And, um, you know, you kind of take it for granted because it's always there. And then suddenly there's no Omar for months, and you go, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> very, very true. Oh, it's the same feeling for me. It's good to talk to you here, and it's good to talk about film with you too. All right, man. So you heard the clip of uh, Bell, a uh, film from Ama Asante. Um, I had an opportunity. Oh, actually, let me – I almost forgot the setup, man. Get ready to go into it. Uh, Bell is essentially uh, a story uh, based on a true story of Dido Elizabeth uh, Bell, who was an illegitimate mixed-race daughter uh, of Admiral Sir Lindsay. She's raised uh, – kind of in what I call this netherworld where she's raised among, you know, the elite, but by her color, she, she does, there's a lot of things that she doesn't get to do with her family, but she's too high of a class to hang with the slaves. So she's just kind of in limbo. Um, you know, I had an opportunity, as I said, to see this film uh, several weeks ago at, the, at DC's Film Fest here. And I thought it was one of the two best movies that I saw during that festival. Um, did you have you had an opportunity to see this film yet, Omar? I have, yes. All right, man. I, I want to hear from you first, man. What did you think about this film? I was disappointed by this film. I really was. And the film does deal with Belle as an outcast, and it mirrors a lot of the way I think a lot of black people feel now in America. We feel that we are here, and then on many occasions we are shown kind of the other opposite, that we are not really a part of things in this country in a very real way, as recently voiced by, by comments from a certain owner of a certain professional basketball team. And I, felt, I thought about this as I was watching Bell. The film deals with the story of someone who is of the aristocracy but is not of the stock so to speak, of the blood, of the royal blood of this family. And as this mixed-race woman, as a black woman in a white aristocracy, how ill-fitting that whole juxtaposition is as a, as a, as a person of Bell's uh, existence. But it wasn't that part of the story that was ill-fitting. I think the film just didn't do a very good job of telling the story. The whole film, to me, doesn't fit together well. I didn't sense that there was a real soul of a story here about Belle herself. Too many times in this film, it seemed as if scenes were happening around Belle. Now, Gugu Mbatha Roar, who plays Belle, I think, very well here, has a performance that unfortunately is wasted, and the script spends too much time dealing with all these other little episodes and affairs going on around Belle. So it's almost as if the film takes the same kind of treatment towards Belle as the real-life situation did towards her way back when. So for me, it took me out of the film. I didn't get a sense of Belle as a character, and I think that's due to the screenplay, despite the great performance by Gugu Mbatha Raw, as I, I said. And I really wanted to see more. I wanted to see more of a centralized focus on Belle. It seemed to be told from the perspective of someone other than Belle. And for me, I, was made, I, I really was let down a great deal by the film. I hoped for better. I did like the performance. I thought Tom Wilkinson was good. I thought the other performances were good. But it seemed to be about those people more than it seemed to be about Belle. And that was my biggest disappointment when I watched it. Now, uh, now I, I'm not going to say I'm not going to do an Omar Moore line and say I could not disagree with you more, but I, <laughs> I, I have a different perspective on this film. And what it's interesting, Omar, that you brought up Donald Sterling because I thought about that as well. I think I saw the film before that, but you can kind of incorporate that element into it as well. While yeah. I would agree with you that much of the story happens around Bell. I, what I thought uh, Ama Asante got right is that she, she took the character of Dido that Gugu, as you talked about Gugu, um, Mbatha Raw, who, did, I, who I thought gave an amazing performance, and she empowered her in a way 
that, um, you know, I have lots of parallels. I think it had, it had a lot to do with Fox Searchlight being the same studio that did uh, 12 Years a Slave. And then you have this film, which happens like 72 years later, uh, where you have a look at American slavery through the eyes of Samuel Northup in uh, 12 Years a Slave. You have a look of, uh, I'm not going to call it British slavery or uh, colonialism, I thought, with her earlier in the the way that Asante looks at this film. I just thought that, for me, I like the story. Um, I thought that the story was told in a certain way because you have to incorporate all the experiences that she's going through and kind of lay it out um, within the framework of, of, of her telling the story, as, as this story that's based on the true story, as close to that while incorporating some other dramatic elements to kind of move the story along. Does she get it right all of the time? Probably not. But I, I thought that the film won more than it disappointed. My problem, though, here, Tim, is this. If the film was going to work when you're doing something like this, I think you have to do one of two things. You have to try to make the central focus the main character, or if you're going to have a film that deals with all those dramatic episodes that you've just identified and articulated, you have to have a film that has some type of voiceover narration. Why? The idea being that you can pull an audience directly into the focus of the heartbeat of that main character. And that's what this film lacks for me. I think that had Bell had that type of narrative voice, meaning that narration of the voice of Bell as Gugu Mbafa Roar, could do a voiceover there, really pull the audience in. We're inside this person. We have the heartbeat of this person. We carry that through the film. And that heartbeat is not in the film. And, and, that's, and that's why I really was disappointed. I think a lot of people need to, especially here in America, a lot of people didn't know about the story. I had, I had known about Bell prior to this film coming out. I, I had been aware of the story. It is a story about the British aristocracy and British slavery. And the, those things that were documented well, there's a book called Black Britannia by Professor Edward Scobie. And that, that is a great starting point for looking at what the role of black people in England was way before the royals existed, or at least at the time they existed, and the actual influence of black people in that situation and with enslavement of black people in Britain. Um, and I had known about the story, but I think in a, when you're trying to make this a film, especially for Amer- American audiences, you really do have to give them something to grab hold of. And in 12 Years a Slave, it was done very powerfully through the style that Steve McQueen used and the, and, the, and the acting in that film. And here, I really wished that there could have been, again, some narration, an idea that we really are identifying with this person. It's not that we don't identify with her, but I don't think the filmmaker does enough to keep us focused on her. I, I was, when I, Tim, when I watched this, I was, I was, I kept seeing the, the the abolitionist character, who was well performed by the gentleman who who acted him. I kept seeing the Tom Wilkinson character. I kept focusing on those stories. And if a film is doing that and it's called Bell, it's probably a failing film. And now on the and one last thing I want to say, Tim, the film Forty Two last year, Forty Two, the film with Chadwick Boseman, the Jackie Robinson film. Uh-huh. You know, if you're going to do a film about Jackie Robinson. Do it about Jackie Robinson. Don't do it about Branch Rickey. Now that's the same way I felt here with Bell. This film was less about Bell and more about the other people in the film. And for me, you know, I see your points, but <laughs> I was really disappointed. All right. Hey, and you know what, man? That's why we love each other, man, because it, it doesn't have to always work. We can we <laughs> can see films, I, you know, from different perspectives. So. Absolutely. Now I'm going to move on to a film, and I cannot wait to hear your view on this one. And I'm just going to play a clip, and uh, we're going to go into this. Is that a balloon? You find a balloon? Oh, that's not a balloon! 
how bad this could have gone. The condom was unused. Why you said that to a couple of parents? Okay. Okay. Ma'am, okay. okay, chill out, chill out. All right, and of course, that is a clip from Neighbors, uh, directed by Nicholas Stoller, uh, stars Seth Rogen, Ro- Rose Byrne, and Zac Efron. Um, Omar, please tell me you saw Neighbors. I did see Neighbors. <laughs> All right. Well, in this case, I'll go first, man. I got an opportunity to see this film again several weeks ago as well. And Nell Minow and I sat next to each other, and I wish I could have her on the phone, because this is one of the films, Omar, that really made me feel like I was a 50-year-old man in the theater, because this movie did not I, – I didn't get any of it. And, and I've been watching shows all week, and people are talking about, you know, as, as Seth is making the rounds, you know, on The Tonight Show and Letterman and all these shows, and everybody's talking about, man, this film is so funny. And I'm going, dude, this movie, to me, I thought this was one of the worst movies of the year. I did not like the humor in it. Seth Rogen, who I have kind of, I call him a 50-50 actor. There's some films that he's he's done where I've laughed a lot, like uh, last year, I think it was called, uh, uh, it, was it This is the End, the, the, the huge yeah, thing that, that he did? That, yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah, that was, now that was that funny. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. I love Superbad. Um, I hated uh, him. Uh, there, there, there's several movies that I can go through that I hated Seth Rogen. So, you know, you right. kind of you know, get what you get with Seth Rogen. Um, but this movie, this one, Omar, did not work for me at all. I thought it was crass. I thought it was offensive. I mean, I thought the idea of two parents played by Rogan and Byrne who would think about taking a baby to a rave, who <laughs> would, would have a frat move in next door, and, of course, you know, these, these older parents who want to be cool go over and hang out in the frat. I just thought everything about this film just didn't resonate with me at all, even though the audience loved it. And Nell and I just kind of looked at each other. Um, I, I really didn't like this film a lot, man. I mean, is it just me, or as I told Travis earlier, have I become a crotchety old, uh, I forget the name of the character, Mr. Burns <laughs> type movie critic? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I got to say, you point out Seth Rogen being a 50-50 actor, and literally he was, of course, in the movie 50-50, and he was good in that. He was also good in a film called Zack and Mary Make a Porno several years ago. I thought that. And that film also was my 10 best list that year. So it's not like I'm some kind of Mr. Crotchety either here. Um, You know, there are some outlandish comedies that are very good, but this one was utter garbage. (laughs) <laughs> okay, all right, thank you. <laughs> yeah, this the bell. Is bing, 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 bing. <laughs> oh, this my God, awesome. man. So, is one so it didn't work for you either. Here. Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. This was a dreadful film. And the argument that people will use, I guess, who do enjoy the film, and the filmmakers would probably use this argument too as well, the reason why it's so outlandish is because the two parental characters played by Rogan and Byrne are arrested development people themselves. They haven't quite fully grown up yet. There's still that frat kid inside them. Therefore, we, we're going to conjure up this idea that these parents who are you know, approaching middle age are all of a sudden now going to revisit their inner teens and early 20s, and we're going to throw a baby into the middle of all this chaos. But... That stuff doesn't work. It's like mixing Oreo, Oreo cookies and pizza. I mean, it doesn't work when you put Oreos on. I mean, maybe there are people who listen, to, who are listening to your show right now, who who have tried Oreos on top of pizza. I, I, but this do not work. And if they're going to work, you have to make them work in a way that's smart. Now, comedy can be foolish and sloppy and silly, but there's a silliness to comedy that works. And then there's an utter nightmare 
a comedy that does not work, and this film fits in the latter category, where people try to over-exaggerate and over-amplify, and the comedy ends up getting drowned out by all these very gross things and very, as you point out, offensive things that happen in it. I mean, there's use of the N-word in this film. I didn't understand where that came from, what that was about here. There's some things about Jewish people that are said. I don't understand why that was said. People laughed at it, but I don't think it was laughter that was really laughter because it was funny. I think people were uncomfortable, and I just don't understand. It seemed like Nicholas Stoller, who directed this film, just didn't know what to do. Now, he directed stuff like Get Him to the, Get Him to the Greek and also Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which I actually liked Forgetting Sarah Marshall a great deal, and also the five-year engagement. He's done those types of films before. This one is an utter nightmare. I liken it to a combination of Project X, that film that came out a couple of years ago, which I didn't think was that bad, and the films, films like The Change-Up and, and Wonderlust, which I know you absolutely loved. That's a combination <laughs> that doesn't no, work. No, I did not. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, see, see but, but it's interesting, Omar. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's interesting, though. When you, when you talk about comedy, because, again, I, I will admit, man, that all comedy, comedy is, is really based on, it's more preference-based than either dramatic films, sci-fi, all these other films. Um, i give you an example. I thought Superbad, I laughed, I remember watching Superbad and all of the penis jokes. You know, it's just something really elementary as a guy that certain things, like, really make me laugh even at this age. Dodgeball is a movie that I almost lost my breath laughing because the whole idea of a ball hitting somebody in the head, for, for some reason I can't explain why, it's just funny to me. I don't know why. But Wanderlust or, or films that, that try to go for something edgy, it, and then it, it's right, like right on the line. I mean, there's a scene in this film, Omar, and you know exactly what I'm talking about when I guess – the frat is going, they're trying to raise money. They're fundraising. Yes. And they make these these kind of phallic symbols. I'm trying not to say what yes. it is. I, I and they have the one where, yeah, where the one where the black guy is the only guy who who wasn't smart enough to shave before he, he made course. his model. And I was okay. like, really? I mean, I looked at Nell. I was like, really? I mean, yeah. you know, um, yeah. or uh, what was the name of the movie that came out? Uh, Miss March. Which, which I know it, it had to be on your on one of your uh, te, your ten oh, several years ago. Movie. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, right. that was terrible. Yeah, yeah. But 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 again, I remember being at a screening of that, and I'm sure you had a similar experience when you went. That there were people who really, for whatever reason, enjoyed that level of humor, even if it didn't right. work for us. So yeah, so so we both yeah. agree, man, that uh, that neighbors is agree. terrible. No, I can't believe there are people raving about this film, and I have no idea why. I mean, are they all 22 years old? I don't know. I, I mean, they, they may not be. They may be a lot older than that. But, yeah, for me, this film was an utter, utter disaster. And I'm thinking to myself, what are these people trying to do with this film? What are they trying to say? What are they trying to do? What points are they trying to make? And none of this – and I, the final thought was, None of this makes any sense at all, any sense at all. There's lots of things in this film, and I know we, can't, we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it, but there's so many things in this film that even on a story level do not make sense, on a character level do not make sense. Assuming the situations, if we buy into them, they still do not make sense. And so for me, this film really is – it is already – going to be probably on my 10 worst of the year. Unless there are 10 worst films than this this year, uh, this will definitely be on it. Well, see, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news because you and I have not been on on a weekly basis, but let us not forget, and I'm just, I got my hand out so I can start counting. Let us not forget Labor Day, I Frankenstein, Pompeii, (laughs) <laughs> yes. Three Days to yes. Kill. I mean, I can name ten movies that I've seen so far that if the year stopped right now, I would have a top ten or worst ten list because there has yes. been a lot of bad movies this spring, a lot of them. Uh, and, and, so, and, yes, they have been. You're right. And, and we're almost at June. I mean, this is scary. 
there haven't been enough very good movies so far. I mean, I, I don't think so, at least. Uh, other people may beg to differ, but I agree with you. There have been a lot of bad ones, and this is the latest one. And we saw, you know, recently a film like The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I know we're not talking about. You know, that's a, that was another one to me that was very disappointing as well. So, you know, we have had a lot of bad movies so far this year. Well, before we get out of here, man, I just, uh, about a week ago, uh, while we were on hiatus and I was preparing to come back, I had not even been to my, my page or my site to look because, you know, it was just, I just needed to recharge, man. It wasn't like I took a vacation. I just kind of just hit a rut, Omar, where I had to rethink some things. And it, I needed I needed some time off because you know I, we were in the middle of Film Fest DC and Tribeca was going on, so I was I was spending a lot of time watching movies and I really wanted to talk about. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Movies, but I couldn't fit it into my schedule. So right. I, when I came back, I looked at the numbers, and I, I know uh, we, were, we were probably about 17,000 downloads away from a million downloads. So I'm still thinking, all right, we're going to get there. Only to my surprise to find out when I came back that people apparently wanted more of these shows or went back to listen to what we'd already done. And we're, we're over a million downloads, man. So I wrote a post. Congratulations. And, you know, I, well, well, congratulations to you. I mean, because, again, I tell people, man, I'm the host, man. I mean, I, it, it's, it's people like you, Travis Hodson, Nell Minow, Daryl Lockhart, Brandon Phibbs, Kevin McCarthy, Wilson Morales, Sean Edwards, Rebecca Theodore Bashan. You know, our whole crew of people, man, who have – contributed their expertise, their time, their enthusiasm. And it's been this is four and a half years, man. So and I know you haven't been there for the whole ride, but you've been there for more than half of that time, Omar. So well, you know, I, I wanted to thank you because you know you and you know how I feel about you, man. We you we talk absolutely. on this show. When I schedule permit we talk offline. I mean Omar is my man. At some point and, and the irony people at home We've never been in the same room at the same time. <laughs> very true. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought we were going to do true. it, man, Thank in January. Oh, my show. I know. <laughs> and, you know, every, life intervenes as always, unfortunately. But, yeah, I know. We, but we will, we will make this happen. I, I'm very, very positive about it. I really am. And uh, I want to say thank you to you, too, for having me on. This show that I'm on with you, your show, is an excellent show, and it pleases me every time to hear that you're doing very well and that people really love listening to you and the guests you have on. You have very good people on. You have great interviews that you do, and people love that for that reason. You have great people on. So I also have to say a big thank you for you to you, Tim, for putting on the show and for working so hard and getting on great guests that you get on, great interviews that you do. And that's the reason why people are downloading and listening to your show every week. Well, Omar, before we get out of here, man, um, we've got to figure something out, man, because I know you, you become like a family guy on the weekends, man. You know, Travis and I about a month ago launched a brand-new show that video streams called Addicted to Film, which um, – <laughs> It is an experience, man. I, I, that's the only way I can say it. And and no further proof is from last week when we were on the show, Omar, 
and we were having a discussion about Star Wars and, you know, black characters in Star Wars. And I don't know how we got there, and I have to listen to the tape, Omar, but we got into this whole piece about Charles Dutton and his propensity to overact. And I wish I had a clip to play because basically we did a Mystery Science Theater 3000 where our producer found a clip of, of what I think is one of his biggest overacting scenes in Minister Society, you know, the line of, you know, the hunt is on and you are the prey. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we sat there and, and clowned them. And I, when we got done, I said, um, well, that'll be another guest we'll never get on this show. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Way to go, Tim. <laughs> hey, hey, man, you know, I think, I think this comes from a place, Omar, that, you know, I've, I've been on the phone with you and Dow and some of yeah. the other folks, man, and, and we talk movies, man. So these are nothing more than extensions of conversations that we have offline that we have for an audience, and I think the audience enjoys it because they understand that we not only bring a, a certain enthusiasm, but there's also an expertise that's involved that I think people want to hear from, from professional critics. They just do. Sure. Sure, I agree with you. So. I, and, and, they, and make no mistake, audiences are starving for that. Audiences everywhere are starving not only for – having the conversation, for listening to the kinds of conversations that you have every week and that I'm involved in and the other guests that you've mentioned are involved in, they are also starving for a diverse group of voices, a diverse group of professional film critics. That point cannot be stated enough. And, you know, your show is there, and I'm sure there are a few others, but your show in particular gives people the opportunity to hear from diverse film critics. And that's what we need. That's what we need more of. And you have done an excellent job, Tim, in providing that platform for people of different persuasions, different voices, diverse voices to come in and give their professional opinions as film critics. And that means a lot to your audience, to me, to everybody you bring on to your show. And we're all thankful for it, Tim. So a big thank you again. And audiences listen to the show. Continue to listen because it's a great show. And you know that because you listen every week. These people that you listen to offer something different, offer something insightful, offer something valuable. And I just want to say thank you for listening to us every week. Hey, man, and, and, and after that, there's nothing more I can say. Um, Omar Moore, you know, you my dog. You are my guy. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> we can get you, we will yes, make sir. time for Omar Moore. Sir, it has been a pleasure, and, and ironically, Omar, coming up in the next segment, I'm going to take a break right now, coming up in the next segment, we will be talking to none other than Jamie Foxx, didn't get him last week when uh, his film opened number one, uh, we will put him on this week, uh, so up next, a conversation with Jamie Foxx, you guys keep it where you got it, of course you're listening to the big show, well actually you're listening to the conversation, aka the big show. Keep it real with film going. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Yo, pregnant up in this motherfucker. Village up in this motherfucker. Nancy boy up in this motherfucker. Yo. Hey, young. Don't talk. We ain't listening. Don't need no lights. Change listening. Wanna listen? You huh? The fisherman, yeah. the soul boat, once we apply pressure, man. Yeah. So, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Uh, I'm raining hits on top of the world, my brain is sick, I'm out this world, you took my dick up out this world, I'm finna take a sip, my wrist is twisting out this world, you can see me from another galaxy, gotta be real flashy for that to be possible, but in my world, the impossible is possible, tell them like Dilla told them, take you straight to the hospital, when I feel the beat, where all of my soul, feel the street, with my song, for my feet, on the road, call the Beatles, rubber soul, cause I'm starting out, starting out, it's starting, I'm on the road, why you frontin', you just frontin', cause your data's level low, level zero, and my flow, the battle's number O, N, E, Mom, oh, could I sleep 
up for the whole thing on flow. You just mad cause you have to put your dream on. Then you think how could you be so cold? Every time you see my delicious vinyl theme logo. Fly the pressure with my scar face. I would change no Don't need no life change listening. One listen, you hook. The fisherman. It's over once we apply pressure, man. So breathe in. Yes, and good afternoon, and welcome back to Conversations, episode 38, excuse me, episode 38. I sounded like a, a Looney Tunes character there. Uh, I want to thank uh, Omar Moore in that last segment. It's 32 minutes after the hour. Omar Moore, uh, you, you've heard me say ad nauseum uh, how I feel about this brother, man. Real special cat. Anytime we can spend time with O. Uh, he's always welcome here. Uh, really cool, brother. But moving on to this segment, uh, as we said earlier, Jamie Foxx uh, Jamie Fox co-stars, along with Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which opened a week ago. We didn't get an opportunity a week ago to talk with uh, probably one of the most decorated Black Real Award winners ever. As I said earlier at the top of the show, he's a four-time winner. He's also a Best Oscar winner uh, as well for Ray. He had an opportunity to sit down with Wilson Morales, who I keep telling you as well, man, my crew, I mean, these guys are tight, man. And, you know, that's why I love working with these brothers, love interacting with these brothers, because, you know, we all have our, our different strengths. And Wilson Morales, I think, does an amazing job with these interviews. Here is his conversation with Jamie Foxx. Host Morales talking to Jamie Foxx, her co-star of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. You played Electro. Uh, you talked earlier about, you know, doing this role and how well it's going to be perceived overseas. But how much did you want to go all out at the film? You know, did they add, was it everything on script or did you want to add something in there to it? Of course, you know, there were things that were cut out, you know. I mean, it just as, a, as an actor, you know, you have to leave room for everybody else. So, you know, you have to have to sort of understand that, you know. But there were things that were cut out. Uh, and for, for, for other different reasons, you know, kid, keeping a kid friendly and things like that. But uh, I, I'm excited about the opportunity or the chance that, when they bring Sinister Six back, Electro being part of that, you can see him in his full villain. You know, because this is just really the genesis. You know, this is just him. He's only been bad for a few minutes. You know, I want to see him when he's now owned it and perfected his perfected his energy and perfected his craft and maybe see what that would be as well. So when you signed off of it, did you, were you aware they were going to bring you back for Sinister Six? No, no, we're still not aware. We're just, you know, but you know that there's definitely... It's in the air right now. So, uh, you know, just like any person who's smart in this business, you, you make sure that you you campaign for yourself, you know, so that, uh, that, that when they do say, yo, we want to turn this on, that you'll be part of the band. Mm-hmm. And just how, was, how long did it take to get into makeup? About four and a half hours, you know, at first, you know, four and a half hours. And then once I got the rubber suit, it was about an hour and a half because of... Uh, um, I just had to put the suit on the hands and the, and the head, but yeah, it was all well worth it, man. Like when you when you see the finished product and you see, you know, uh, um, you know how you look and everything. It's dope. I mean, some of the pictures, man, that are out, it's really rock star status. It's like when you see like the way they make Electro look on some of these posters. It's it's crazy. You, you've done. Any given Sunday, where you got to be physically fit to that. Yeah. You've done Ray, where you have basically have your voice ready for that. Yeah. How physically demanding was this for you? It's the same thing. Like, you know, I had to be able to get into that suit. So, you know, you had to push away from that buffet table a couple times and uh, just stay sort of limber, you know. So I had a different way of training. Like, you know, it was more stretching and playing basketball and more bands as opposed to the heavy weights and things like that that it was in any given Sunday uh, or in Django. So, uh, you know, but that's always good in our business to have to be in shape for a film because it gets you in shape mm-hmm. in your real life. Now, let's not kid ourselves. How much did you know about Electro before you got this movie? Well, what's interesting is that we knew about Electro because of the Max character. See, I knew before getting the, the, the call that Max was the key ingredient to Electro. Max was in his 40s. In his 40s. Used to be married. They didn't want to show that in the film because I brought that in. So I said, well, you know he's married. Right? So you know, we don't have enough time. Uh, father left him. He lived with his mom, and they took the mom part out of the film. 
which I thought, you know, probably would have been even more key to see, like, where he comes from because him and his mom's uh, relationship was really important because here's someone he loves. Mom says she loves but really doesn't. And the way we had it in the script was is that it was his birthday and his mom rem- doesn't remember the, uh, doesn't remember his birthday. And in the script, what happens is when he turns into, when he's turning into electric, when all of the electric things are happening, he goes back to uh, his mom to explain. And she doesn't want to hear it. And he hugs her mom, just please listen. And he actually electrocutes her, which is like, you know, more comic book style. But they felt like for the kids and everything, that wasn't, you know, uh, the right thing to do. And so, uh, so we're not, you know, we're not, we weren't comic book fanatics like you would see some of the guys at uh, at Comic Con, but we definitely like followed, uh, you know, our favorite superheroes like Spider Man, or in in my case, like uh, uh, when Robert Downey Jr. took over uh, Iron Man, I was like, wow, that's the perfect Tony Stark, you know what I mean? So. Uh, it's always good to have some some knowledge of it when you go into it so you understand that when they're telling you certain things that you can and can't do, it has to do with the fans. You know. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier about uh, being able to do this movie because how Django was, pre- was mm-hmm. well-received overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, A movie like this doesn't really need anybody to be black or white or whatever because it's doesn't. itself. So, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, but it does help, obviously, you, for you internationally. Besides Django, you know, what what does this do for you? Incredible, in- in- incredible. And like I said, there's always the uh, you know the question of do African Americans sell internationally? You know, it's it's no secret in our business that that's what the question is. It was even asked, I believe, before we did Annie. You know, and there's a little computer there, and they'll tell you here's your international queue. And because of Django, and because of the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, like blame it on the alcohol or gold digger mm-hmm. and things like that. Because of that, the international queue is, is up. But when Django came out, it was like Quentin Tarantino really... I tell Quentin all the time, I said, you turn stars into legends. And the Django character is a legendary character. So when I walk the streets of Rome or Paris or Singapore or Malaysia, people are uh, screaming Django from kids nine years old up to 90. So... uh uh, like I said, still tip my hat to, to Quentin for putting me in that space. You're approaching 10 years since you won the Oscar for yeah. White. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, looking back now, you know, you think about the role you've done and continue to do, you know. Have you thought about that? Like, what do, where do I need to be at this point? When you think about it, I think at this point, and here's what's the tricky thing about Oscars, man. Oscars can hurt you. You know, Oscars can hurt the way you perceive yourself. Like, I would constantly tell my people and say, hey, yeah, I know we won the Oscar, but I don't want to be speaking in an English accent and wearing... You're a guy. You're the third one. Yeah, and wearing an ascot and everything because um, I think it it hurts you in a sense of of, uh, what you're going to do with your career. Everything is not going to be an Oscar. Everybody's not going to win an Oscar. People don't win two, three Oscars... It, they don't just give them out. Mm-hmm. So what I didn't want to do was kill yourself trying to win the Oscar. So there were certain things that I just wouldn't do, and I did the music. Or I would go do stand-up to sort of keep from being the Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. Because although it's a fantastic, it's the most incredible feeling and the most incredible feat in the world because you're in a, you walk through a small door that no one, not a lot of people go through to be... Sidney Poitier, Denzel, Forrest, Forrest you, myself. <laughs> it is so amazing. But sometimes when you wait for that script with the Oscar, you could you could die on the vine. So my thing was go out and tell jokes right now. Right after I won the Oscar, I went out and told a joke. I told a joke about <laughs> Oprah Winfrey that everybody was like, "Oh man, you can't say that." But I said, "No, I have to." in order for me to maintain what I need to do. I want to do a comedy. I want to do a musical. I want to do a bad guy. I want to do a western. I want to do all these different things. And I was lucky, and I I couldn't see that I was lucky for these past 10 years by not 
blowing way up with the big commercial film. Because what I see now is sometimes when you get known for the big commercial film, you do lose a little bit because if 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 people are used to seeing you that way, then you can't go back to do movies that have that heart and soul that could probably get you nominated. So I'm sort of glad that it sort of went like this, you know, mm -hmm. when it came to the movies. There was some good and there was some bad, you know. Uh, but the one thing that we did keep intact was the integrity of whatever the performance was, you know. And, um, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's really it. I, I feel like now I got a brand new start. Like, it's almost like hitting the reset button, you know. What do we expect to see from Horrible Bosses? Coming back in. Horrible Bosses is funny, man. Two. <laughs> Horrible Bosses Two is funny, and I didn't, you know, those are one of those unexpected. I mean, they want to do, uh, they want to do Motherfucker Jones the uh, the movie now, which was like, I'm with it, you know, and uh, it became like a cult hit, like in college, you know, it's college kids, you know, so it should be fun. You know, and you got Andy. Are you gonna, you know, it's a, it's a musical. Obviously, you haven't been seen in the music since Dream Girls. Yeah. You know. Obviously, working with Carvajane, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know how excited, you know, I see, you know, through the numbers that I see on my end, you know, hey, people are wanting to see Annie. Bro, it's, I, I'm, I, there are certain people that that have a knack in this business that you don't know how they do it, but they know how to do it. Will Smith, James Lasseter, Caleb Pinkett, and Jay Z. No one could get the rights to Annie for years Jay-Z gets the rights Will Smith gets the rights they're going to do their version of it and then all of a sudden here comes Covenginay who holds weight who is pizza what I mean by that is when you eat pizza you don't say I'm eating Italian pizza you just eat it uh, what I mean by that in, uh, in her parallel is that you don't see just a black girl you saw a girl who did a fantastic job in the movie and got nominated for an Oscar at the age of eight. So, wow, now the stars line up. Boom, here's Annie that we all know and love. And then here's a person who can really personify our day. You know, and so, um, that being said, when they put it together and Will Gluck, the director, he did something smart. He did a movie that happens to be musical as opposed to the musical. The musical, musical. It's a movie where when you see Quivenjene, she's able to hit you right here by the way she acts, and then the music takes it to a different place. What's the next thing? You have, you have anything else lined up? Uh, right now, no. I'm just music-wise. Music. Working on some music. I just did a, uh, about to do a song with Pharrell called Tease. Uh, a song with Mustard called uh, All Night. Uh, just you know, just in that just in that real music mode. Okay, we're good. Thanks, man. Any more work with Quentin? But man, if you if you have me. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, and of course that was uh, our own Wilson Morales with uh, the decorated award winner Jamie Foxx. Um, that was an amazing interview, and and truth be told, that's the first time I listened to it from start to finish. Uh, his comments about you know the power of some of these actors, how Will Smith, Jada Pinkett. Uh, Jay-Z were actually able to, to, to make some magic happen, I think, and some tremendous insight. And uh, I'm glad that he was able to share that and, and share that for you guys as well. Uh, we're going to get out of here right now, and we will check you out next week right back here on the big show or some other conversations that are coming up. Also, remember, Sunday night, Travis Hobson and I will be addicted to film. That is 7 p.m. Uh, on Sunday night. Uh, on WLVS, and you can watch us on the live stream at listenvision.com, listenvision.com. And as well, also remember that I will be moderating uh, Q&As throughout the Washington metropolitan area this weekend with the director of Bell, Ama Asante. Uh, the three theaters, I think, and the times are Saturday night, I'm going to be downtown D.C. at the landmark E Street Cinema. Uh, the movie starts at 7 o'clock. I'm assuming the talk back will start two hours later when the film is completed. Uh, also, if you can't get there Saturday night, Sunday at 1 o'clock, I'm going to be at Bethesda, Bethesda excuse me, Landmark Row, uh, again, for another Q 
Q&A or talk back after that film concludes. And the final one of the weekend will be at the Angelica, Angelica excuse me, Mosaic. Uh, the film starts at 3 in the afternoon. The talk back will probably be, as I said, once that film is over. So for more information, you can go to uh, Film Gordon or, you know, follow me on Film Gordon or, uh, or on Facebook or on Twitter, excuse me. Follow me at Film Gordon on Facebook or on Twitter for more information. Uh, as I said, it has been a historic week. I'm glad to be back. It's not historic from the standpoint that we did like a 250th show, uh, but we did reach some landmarks or some milestones this week that I'm very proud of, and I'm very proud of you as an audience for supporting me along the way. Um, and as I tell you guys clearly, in closing, at the end of every show, I will give you that greeting or that, that uh, salute ending uh, parting word, whatever you want to call it, one last time. Um, please see something good at the movies this week. Uh, and until next time, you guys enjoy. Enjoy your weekend. And also, I forgot, happy Mother's Day. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.